<laughs> Welcome to Dominion Sonship again. Here we come live, 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 alive, live, livened by the Word of God, made alive by the utterance of the Word of God, made alive by the very voice of God that we're tuned into today. Today we're tuned in to hear the voice of the Word of God, which is the very voice of our Master, the very good shepherd that leads us in those righteous paths for His name's sake, that leads us by the green pastures and the still waters of His Word, so we will abide and rest and live live in peace. And so we will continue once again that which we believe and I know for sure he has started with dominion sonship and it's really the utterance of transformation. It is an utterance where we 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 come once again to the reality and once again to this moment of mind renewal. That the carnal man really has nothing to stand on before God. But when we are standing on the word of God, we have the right standing before God, righteous in his sight, blameless, 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 blameless. Because of the blood of Christ, blameless because of the washing of this word, that daily we partake of this bathing of the word of God, that this word of God is stillness to my soul, to my mind, to my will, and to my emotion. This word calms me down and realigns me again with the very will and thought of God. Today's message uh, came really from Romans 8. Six, and it is the word governed mind. The word governed mind. The word governed mind is truly the mind of Christ. A word governed mind, the word referring to the word of God, not the word of man, the word of God. The word of God governed Mind is a mind that is governed by the spirit of the living God. A spirit-governed mind is one that walks in submission to the word of God. So when we read in Romans 8, let's go to Romans 8, and I'll, I'll read that verse, and, and maybe we'll recapture where we have been the last couple of Sundays. In Romans 8, in Romans 8, 6, For to be carnally, carnally minded. For to be carnally minded. Carnally minded. So though you're born again, you can be carnally minded. Because Paul is writing to the Christians in Romans. Where he said to them, you know, in chapter 7, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, brother and sister. I want to do right, but I mess up. And so we found our identity in Romans 7, but really when we come to the end of Romans 7, there is a true answer that is only found in Christ. Who shall deliver me from this bondage of the flesh? Thanks be to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I qualify what that means? Because he died on the cross and in that death, sin was condemned forever in the flesh. And when he arose by faith with him, we arose to a brand new life, new creation life. And so the answer to the end of 
Romans 7 that moves us into Romans 8. Romans 8 is your identity. Romans 7 is an account of when we live in the flesh and the struggle that we have with the carnal mind that we to daily, like Paul said, daily, daily I die. I pick up the cross daily, daily. When we come to the end of that seven, it's pulling us into the reality of Christ within me, the hope of glory. You see, this Romans 7 is in the capturing of the Pauline revelation, the revelation that God, the Holy Spirit, gave Paul on the road of Damascus. There was a, a brand new encounter with the living God. And thereafter, everything that he had known up until that moment, that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he forsook it all. He forsook all carnal analytical thought of quoting verses and parroting scriptures to the reality of God, the living one. That really he told Paul in that moment, why are you persecuting me with your mind, Paul? Why are you persecuting me with your mind? Because truly in his mind, Paul at that moment believed he was doing something for God by killing off and routing the Christians to imprison them. So here we're seeing in Romans 8, verse 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace, the I want to read this in some other translations. I just read in the New King James. The NIV is the mind governed by the flesh. There is a mind that is a carnal mind. That really when we get nat like through the natural birth out of our mama's womb, with that, we are born into that mindset, the carnal mind that is governed by the flesh. I want to eat. I want to sleep. I want to do this. I don't want to do this. I like this. I don't like this. Through the appetite of the flesh, a governing to the mind. Through desires of the carnal self, a mind can be ruled. Last Sunday, we talked about ruling your mind. I'm not talking about a ruling that is of your natural man, because without the Christ life within you, there'll be no ruling your mind. You always succumb to the old mind. And so that was last Sunday's message of coming into the rest of faith. of bringing down every stronghold that is in opposition in your mind against the word of God. And so today's word governed mind, that's really coming from here. Let's go back to the NAV translations, Romans 8, 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit, the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What does that look like, a mind governed by the Spirit? I'll tell you what that looks like. If we go back to the words of Jesus in John 14, we'll see the very, the very, um, the very 
purpose of the sending of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the sending of the Holy Spirit is to lead many sons to glory. By leading them in the truth of the word of God, by bringing to remembrance the words of Jesus. So if we go here, I'll, I'll just speak one, but there's a few verses, of course, in 14, 15, and 16 regarding the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to go to 14, 25, and 26 and see up until where we'll read. These things Jesus says, I've spoken to you while being present with you. What am I talking about? A mind ruled by the Spirit, governed by the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit. The mind that is yielded to the Holy Spirit looks like right here. You can see it. These things I've spoken to while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, the Father will send in my name. He will teach you. That word is to cause to learn. To cause to learn. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit moves within the scriptures. He is the expounder. He is the revealer of truth. He is the convictor. How does the word convict our hearts when we go contrary to the word? By the Holy Spirit. He'll bring to remembrance a verse. He'll check our hearts. That's the reigning of the Spirit. But you see, without you spending time, purposeful time, Purposeful time, purposeful time, clearing your schedule, even for five minutes. Purposeful time in reading the word. Purposeful. And layering that reading and being patient in the reading and going over the reading of the word of God and, and, and habituating and, and habitating and staying in the reading, in the reading of the word of God. Light is coming into your heart. Revelation is arising by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no greater activity that the Holy Spirit does. This is really why he was sent. It is to lead us in truth and to teach us the word of God. Yes, there are giftings of the spirit. Yes. But isn't that interesting when, when we look at the words of Jesus regarding the Holy Spirit, he calls him the spirit of truth, not the spirit of error. John calls him as well in, 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 the, in his little epistles. You've not received the spirit of error. In, how about we, one more moment here in, in chapter 16, 12. Well, actually, let's go a little bit earlier. Mm -mm. Let's go from five and we'll build up. But now I go away, Jesus says to his disciples, to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? 
But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. It is expedient. It is to your benefit. It is to our benefit that Jesus goes away to the Father. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. That's the Holy Spirit. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Here again, we see the function of the Holy Spirit. He'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Because what the word says, that which is not of faith is sin. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment, of righteousness because through his blood we've been made righteous. Through his broken body we're now partakers of divine nature. Righteousness is our new name before God in Christ. Not sinner. We are the righteous ones because we believe in him. Because we're born of his flesh. Partakers of his blood. Righteous in his sight. Of judgment because the rule of this world is judged. Satan. The ruler of this world is judged, rendered, defeated. Rendered, defeated, Satan is. Wake up to this judgment that's already been pronounced in the spirit where Satan is concerned. Wake up to the reality of who you are in Christ. There is a pronounced judgment in the spirit where every wicked spirit and the head of that wicked spirit being Satan has been already done, completed forever. He has been disarmed, disbarred, dispowered, can I say, over a believer's life. Outside of the lies because he's the father of lies. And so if you want to walk in error, you will then make a choice to depart from the truth of the word of God. And be made captive to this deceptive way, deceptive, deceptive ways, the schemes of the devil. The schemes. Schemes. What are these schemes? Distraction, cares of the world, pressures of life, desire for other things. I have a better opinion. I got another way of doing this. My way, the carnal way. I still have many things to say to you, verse 12. But you cannot hear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And so... My finger is still in Romans 8 because I'm not done there. But if we look back to in Romans, and I'm not done also with John 16. 
But I'm just flipping over back to Romans 8 to read, to refresh our mind while we're reading these passages. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded, to be governed by the Spirit, means like back to John 16, it means like being guided into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. He won't give you anything besides the Word of God. He's not speaking of his own authority, of his wishful thinking, of him wanting to be God separate from the Father, whose spirit he is. Not a rebellious spirit. He's the spirit of the Father. He'll not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he'll tell you things to come. He'll glorify me. He'll glorify me. Who is he? Who is the me that's being referred to here? Jesus. And Jesus is found in the counsel of the word of God, for he is the word of God. He'll glorify me, for he will take of what is mine. He will take of what is mine. What is of Jesus? We know Jesus said that I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. He'll take of what is mine, Jesus says, and declare it to you. All things that the Father has a mind, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. He'll take of mine and declare it to you. Word governed mind. The new living of that verse of Romans 8 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. <laughs> How clear is that? I don't know what a carn car I don't know what a carnal mind is I don't know what a car maybe 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 you know because I'm, I'm I'm born again now my mind is fully consecrated now and so every thought I think is it's a pure thought and when there's an impure thought you feel so bad so bad so bad well you know I can't help myself it's my thought I'm a Christian so you know so you sway from this condemnation to false confidence, to condemnation, false confidence, everything to do with what you can do and what you can't do. Yet, yet, we, we read Jesus said, it is expedient that I go away and I give you the comforter who will guide you and lead you into altar and that which is mine he will declare to you. So really, buddy, for you and I, it's all about him and us now. All about him and us now. And there, there starts this work of transformation. He starts this mind renewing to realize I cannot live out of the old sinful nature. And let that old sinful nature dictate the thoughts that I have before God. Because all thoughts are before God. He sees and knows all. So let your sinful nature... so. 
letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit who guides you into all truth, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. ESV, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. To set your mind on the flesh, carnal mind, out of the sinful nature, governed by the flesh, it is death. It would always lead you into sin. And the wages of sin is death. There's no two ways about it. There's no two ways about it. And so you and I today can make choices for life or for death. And we do have the agency to do so because we do live in a body that has a will. It's not up to the wind or to someone else's opinion. You and I make choices in that which we set our mind to think on. But letting, so back to that verse, but to set the mind on the spirit, to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. How do we set our mind on the spirit? It's not as mystical as we've made it to be. You set your mind on the spirit by meditating the word of God. If we go back to the verse before that, which was the precursor to, to 6, it's verse 5. My new King James says, For those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. And here lies the danger of worldly living. Worldly living sets your mind on the things of the flesh that lead to death. And can I say, make you subject to a defeated foe who is the ruler of the world. But those who live according to the Spirit, can I say, according to the Word of God, that is Spirit-inspired, Holy Spirit-inspired, Holy Spirit-breathed, Paul writes to Timothy. All Scripture is God-breathed. Those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, that we set our mind on the things of the Spirit. And here comes verse 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind, here it is, the carnal mind is enmity or hostility, an opponent to God. In opposition to God is a carnal mind. What? Even though a Christian, even though a Christian, born again, if our minds are not renewed in our thoughts, we are actually an enemy to God. Our thoughts are. It's what the word says. The carnal mind is 
enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, which is the word of God. Nor indeed can be. Oh, I'm going to work on the carnal mind to make it subject the word of God by just not changing my mind. I'm just going to think any old way. And eventually, eventually, I'm just, it's just going to go just that way. And God's sovereign overall. And you know, anyhow, it's all going to go just right, just fine, just because God loves me and he gets me. We have a responsibility to be friends with God in our minds. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So then if we match it up to what Hebrews 11 says that we just love to quote so much. Hebrews 11 Verse 6, I'll go quickly there. You can come with me, keep your fingers in Romans still. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, that is God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently Seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, flesh living, flesh living equals no faith in God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let us squirm a little bit. Let us all of us squirm a little bit. And just, just wake up from the complacency of our thought life. I'm just in two verses, but I have lots of verses here. Last week was a lot of verses too. We looked in John, the words of Jesus, the spirit. It's expedient for the Holy for, for Jesus to go, really to die on the cross. Because through that cross, in that cross, in that moment, he became sin. Condemned sin in the flesh in Romans 8 from 1. Um, to verse 3 talks about that. And in the condemning of sin that he became, as we receive his atoning sacrifice, we are made righteous by faith in his sight on the basis of the completed work of the cross. That's why it was expedient for him to go. And on the heels of that divine work of atoning of sin, obliterating the power of sin to have no longer dominion over us, the Holy Spirit is moving through that moment of revelation to conform us to sonship, to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. How? Through mind renewal. But you see, you and I are partakers of divine nature, meaning without us, the work cannot be completed in us of mind renewal. Salvation is completed already. But this transformation of my mind coming into full compliance to the word of God, I partner 
with the Holy Spirit. And for me at that moment, it just simply looks like reading my Bible. Reading my Bible. Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. I'm not talking about that read your Bible. I'm talking about coming to the reality of reading the Word of God. That in that moment, you're a true partaker of divine nature. Your mind is being renewed. And in that moment, your mind is becoming friendly to God. You're thinking the thoughts of God. You're living by faith. And you're ultimately pleasing your Father, who has done such a work of salvation, so great a salvation. Let us not neglect it. But there's an admonition regarding that in Hebrews chapter 2. Not to neglect so great a salvation. So if we go back to what we read in, in Hebrews eleven six, 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. We have to believe that he is exactly who he says he is. And of course, we find that out in the word of God. And he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And then, it, then you can put it together with Romans, Romans 8. 8, Romans 8, 8. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's impossible to please God in the flesh. It's impossible for you to have carnal thoughts, a lifestyle of carnal thoughts that leads to carnal actions and be a God pleaser. No, a work pleaser, yes. A man pleaser, yes. Fearing man, yes. But not living in reverence to God and his word. A word-governed mind is one's life submitted fully to God. It's no longer my thought that's ruling me. But it's his thought ruling me. So I take my mind and I tune it in. I tune it in like a tuning fork to the word of God. To the rhythm of his word. Which is sound of freedom to me. Because what sets us free, it is his word. What sets us free, it is his word. Romans 8, 5 in the NIV. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Have their minds set on what the flesh desires. The new living gets a little stronger with the words there. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. That's Romans 8, 5, the New King James. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. The New Living explains exactly what that is. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. And I think because I perceive, because... So many 
have had unruly minds. Unruly minds, they never knew that they actually were supposed to dominate the thoughts. They never really understood what renewing your mind is. They never really understood what Romans said in, uh, Paul said to, in Romans 12. In Romans 12, what did Paul say? I beseech you therefore, brethren, verse 1, that by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, which cannot please God, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the word of God. So you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, to be a pleaser of God, living life in honor of his will, being a doer of the word of God. So because of a lack of understanding what that looks like on a very practical daily living, I don't just think any old sorrowful thought I want to think. I don't go into self-pity mode and call my little buddy and let her or him cry with me. Let me tell you how sad my life is. Let me tell you what the devil did again and again and again. Same old thing. You have to practice apprehending those thoughts and bring them down. As much as I have to practice to apprehend those thoughts and bring them down. We read that, Second, Second Corinthians, right? Let's go back to, okay, keep your finger in Romans 8. That seems to be like why I keep going back to, but if we go to, we were there just, we were there just last Sunday, but we can be there every single day. Second Corinthians 10. And when we started this, um, like I said, I think it was last Sunday when I had been talking on, um, well, really, living by faith. But I was just talking about living hope. And then it moved to living proof. And then it went to firmly established. And then it was be still. And when that be still message came through, the Lord started emphasizing the mind again. Be still and know that I am God. And we then, he took it and brought it into Ephesians 6 from 10 to 13, specifically of the armor of God. To put on the full armor of God. And the next message was ruling your mind. And today it's a word-governed mind. Without the mind being subjected to the power of the word of God. We're susceptible to lies and without even realizing we're being deceived. That's why the daily, the daily, the daily, the daily picking up of this cross, which is the word of God. To bring a surprise of thoughts again, to light up to the word of God, to the mind of God. Here in 2 Corinthians 10, Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we walk in the flesh, we do have a body on earth made for dominion through the word of God, made for dominion through the function of the spirit that's always leading us in truth because truth is dominion over a lie. You want to live in dominion, don't play around with lies. 
You want a pure conscience and habitate. I keep saying habitate. It's, 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 it's the word between habitual and habitation. So that's what that means. That's my little language. I seem to be making words up. <laughs> but stay in the word. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Don't just read this like I know what it means. We want to read this and, 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 and allow the Spirit to teach us to live it out. We have weapons that are not of the flesh. Not with the striving of the human tongue. Not with excuses of, I think I'm right. So I'm going to tell you how right I know I am. But they're mighty in God. The word of God. Truth. Pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments. Vain imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing every thought into captivity. Every thought, that's dominion. You bring every thought, oh, you mean, what do you mean? Dominion is to take every thought captive. Every thought captive. I'll tell you, the more you read the word and the more you become... How, not familiar in a bad way, but you become accustomed to, to the sounding of the word of God, the voice of the spirit that's in the word. The more you have learned what it is to stay in the word, that it's, it's it really the being rooted and grounded in him. That that moment there is the, 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 the working of the life of the vine that is beginning to bring conformity to your thoughts with his thoughts. And so the checks, the actions, they can be quite subtle because now you have so learned to stay yourself and your mind on him. But it is a process of transformation. It is something you can't give up on. And just because you messed up even this morning, get right back up. Come to the reality of his blood and his broken body for you. It was expedient that he went back to the Father to give us now the spirit of righteousness. Holy Spirit, to lead us. To bring a conformity of our mind to truth, lest we sin against him again and again and again. And thus harden and callous our hearts to the voice of his spirit. Deception is dangerous, but it can be fully avoided. Avoided how? Daily reading of the Bible. So really, I think that's kind of where I move from. When I know 
What's on the other side of me not reading the Bible? I dare not go there. I can't trust my natural senses. My natural old man would always lead me away, away from truth. Would always self-excuse. And then I'm taken captive by a wrong thought, rather than me having taken captive that thought. Let's go to Colossians. Colossians 3, 3, let's see, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. That word dwell <laughs> to live to dwell in, to be settled, stationary in you, in dwelling, to inhabit. Let the word inhabit your thoughts richly. And I looked up that word richly, and it was abundantly, much in quantity, much in quantity, abundantly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You want wisdom? It's found in the word. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through him. Second Timothy. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Chapter 4. Two. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. You see, when you allow the word to dwell in you richly, it's not an overnight process, by the way. There is a layering, there's a working of the word to bring conformity to your thoughts, to your thoughts daily, daily, daily. Stay daily, stay daily in the word of God to dwell in you, to inhabit you, to make you comply in your thoughts. Regarding your life, regarding the brethren, regarding the world, regarding, regarding your life story. Regarding that it is finished. So now you can truly live. When you live from that place of the word of God, the word starts speaking through you. The words are speaking through you because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's why James talks about the unruly tongue. Who can tame that tongue? 
You see, the tongue is moved from the heart, and if your heart is unruly, your tongue will be unruly. The answer to unruly tongue is put the word to rule in your heart. That's how the tongue is brought into conformity to the word of God. The carnal man is silent. I don't live and nor do I set my mind on the things of the flesh. Romans 8. We just read those verses. Because my desire is not for death. If I desire death, go ahead. I can go ahead and set my mind on the things of the flesh. It's that simple. No. But we don't like it that way because then I have to be accountable to what I set my mind. And really, I don't want to set my mind anything. I just want to think any old how. I just want to, I just want to have lots of conversations with carnal Christians and worldly buddies. I just want, I just want to sound somewhat understandable to them. Really? How about you pleasing your father and be a pleaser of God? By setting your mind on those things that are above. Since now you've died with Christ and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3. Check. It's Colossians 3. Yeah. So from this place of his word living you richly, the word starts speaking. Because you've set your mind on the things of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so Paul commands Timothy, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear the word of God. It's too convicting, too archaic. We're in a new day now. But according to their own desire, they don't want to hear sound doctrine, but according to their own desire, according to their own desire, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up, for themselves, teachers, and that was one of the, I believe in Mark 4, one of the ways Satan would come and steal the word is through the desire for other things. And here we see desire for other things other than the word of God. To satisfy an itching ear, do you know, do you know that in your carnal man you have an itching ear at all times? You want to hear something new, you want to hear gossip, you want to hear the, you know, the political state of the world you want to hear this you you have itching ears and that's why entertainment fits perfectly with that human nature the enemy knows the frailties of the human nature how easily we engage with scrolling our 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 little devices itching ears yeah I'm talking from my own self, from my own meditations. Anything but the word of God. The outer man wants. But it's time that we be strengthened like we read in, in Ephesians 3.17. 
that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith that we be strengthened in the inner man. So the inner man will have preeminence by the word of God and start leading us the right way. To allow the word to dwell in us richly. To preach truth, to speak truth, to be truth speakers. Verse 4, it finished, third, three finished, they'll heap up for themselves teachers. Verse 4, and they'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 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 But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Thessalonians, another sober passage. I think I'm going to finish there. Second Thessalonians chapter 5, is it? Uh, chapter 2, sorry. I'm in first, second. Yep, chapter 2, verse 1, let's start. Now, now, all of this is to do with word-governed mind. The time is short. He is coming back for a glorious bride. Let us be of the wise virgins. Prepared. How? By being filled up richly with his word. That the word would dwell in us in much quantity. Abundantly. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, the rapture, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter. You see, because we believe the word of God, we're still not troubled. As if from us, as though the day of Christ has come, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will come unless, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. It's a sign of the times, this falling away that we're looking and we're seeing. And it's so grievous to us. A great falling away from the faith. A turning away from the word of God. A turning away from, from truth. Unto fables. Because of itching ears. False teachers. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. And really here we're seeing this exaltation really first comes in our minds. When our minds are unruly, when our minds are not submitted to the word of God, anyone that's out there that says, follow me, I have the truth for you, buddy. will so willingly follow because our minds are not submitted to the word of God and will not be able to perceive that spirit of error. And will follow the one that's putting themselves, putting oneself above God. Meaning, meaning, the, um, 
who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining. Now you know what is restraining. That he may be revealed in this all in his own time. We are the restraining ones. We are restraining through the word of God. For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. That's referring to us. We that are restraining this work of wickedness, as soon as we are taken away, there is a loosing of wickedness. For verse 7 again, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Why follow a false teacher? The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. That's why be weary, be cautious, be cautious in pursuing and looking after powers and signs and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, look at this. Because they did not, among those who perish, he's going to qualify who they are. Because they did not receive the love of the truth, the love of the word of God. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Because they've already refused truth. that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Look at the prayer he's asking. That the word of the Lord may run swiftly. Have free course. Be not restrained in this hour. So that many would actually receive the love of the truth and walk away from this perishing reality. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith, not all believe the word of God. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one and we have confidence in the Lord concerning you both that you do and will do the things that we command you. May Now may the Lord direct your heart into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. But look at verse 6. I have to read this next two verses. But we command you, brethren. This is great sobriety right now. It's going to come through. But we command you, brethren, in the name, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you withdraw from every brother, 
from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the traditions which he received from us, not according to the truth. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with, our, with labor and toil night and day, that we may not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. So, to have the word govern you will bring a separation from carnal Christians. And that's okay. That's okay. We live life before God. And we do pray for the brethren. They be awakened to the love of the truth. But you and I are accountable to God for where we set our minds. And so let the word be the only place that you set your mind on. Because that is truly what it looks like. And it means to be led by the Spirit. To set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Glory be to God. We're done. Amen.